What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Primal Baseball Podcast. Before you listen, please go follow us at Primal Baseball, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We got some YouTube stuff and we got a lot more content coming out. So hoping you guys will follow us and, and enjoy the ride. Today, I'm very excited to get to this podcast. It's been a few weeks in the making, but we finally made it work. We even had some Wi-Fi issues. So um, Mike drove home, but today I have Mike Stein from Iowa University. Iowa is Iowa. No, it's not Iowa State. It's IU, Iowa uh, University. IU. University. University of Iowa. Okay, University yeah. of Iowa. He's a javelin thrower, and I'm gonna let him introduce himself further. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's been a long time coming, so uh, pumped to be on this. So thank you, and uh, yeah. So I'm a javelin thrower at the University of Iowa. I've thrown 75 meters. And I'm a former baseball player, so I took the process from like sophomore year of high school until now to throw 75 meters and just train consistently for it. And there's a lot of overlap between javelin and baseball, so it'll be really cool to talk about this on, on the show. But yeah, so uh, school record holder for University of Iowa, javelin thrower. I'm from Okaboji, Iowa, which is a small town in northwest Iowa. All right, sweet. Yeah, and, and we're going to get... We're going to get right into it today, but just just for those for those wondering, Mike um, is a has been to the Pan American Games. If I'm correct, was it was it gold that you brought home? Yeah, yeah. Under 20 gold. Yes. <laughs> there, you, there you go. So you 20 gold um, and we'll talk about that later, but just wanted to get that out there. So you guys understand the the type of talent and the type of hard work that this dude puts into the to his practice. And, and like you said, Javelin, very similar to baseball. Like if you're a thrower, you're a thrower. If you're a good mover and a good thrower, you're a good thrower and you can throw anything. So he probably throws the baseball a little bit harder than I do, but that's all right. So uh, <laughs> I've been tested thing... for a while, but. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, the first, the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Mike, is, is just having the dark and the light energy. Like I, I saw this on your Instagram one time and was like connected to it really deep and and I'll talk more on it later but I want you to touch on it first right like having that dark energy when you need it like in those lifts like sometimes it's not going to be light it's not going to be like happy happy like we're doing all this but then sometimes you do need it and and I just want you to talk about what that means to you and then how you balance both yeah for sure man so it's it's two different mentalities like you said the weight room's probably the most uh prevalent use of that like darker chip on the shoulder mentality where it's like you know, I'm not where I want to be yet. And I'm, I'm almost straining more and trying harder and going harder in the weight room. So that's a great example of that versus like the light energy would be kind of more, uh, you know, I already am this good. I am that guy. I'm the guy who throws 75 meters. I'm the guy who throws a hundred meters. Say my goal is to throw the world record. So for me, it's, you know, I am the guy who throws a hundred meters. I already am him. Uh, you know, I don't, necessarily have to press and it's like that uh faith versus doubt and i think you need both where you know to train every day consistently you have to acknowledge you know i'm not where i want to be yet but and that's kind of that doubt piece that chip on the shoulder piece that's what gets you out of bed in the morning whereas uh the more faith piece is like you get to a competition and you're like man i'm gonna throw the javelin 80 meters there's no way i'm gonna lose i'm the best you know there's no way i can mess up and you need that balance. It, it takes both of them. Yeah. And 
And that's that's interesting that that's how you came at it because I, I understand the right you're you have to have confidence in in who you are and and that you're already there. Like when you step on the field, thinking about oh I should have trained isn't going to help you. You need to just be. I am that guy right now. Like I put all the work in. I'm that dude. But then yeah. when you're in the weight room training, if you're like that, you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to be like, I'm the I'm the weakest dude here. Like I need to bust my ass because if I don't, like I'm going to lose. One interesting thing, and I, maybe you can give me give me feedback on this. So when I talk about like light light and dark energy, I think about it like as almost the driver too. So for instance, right. When I was younger, like I'm going to give you real examples. Like when I was younger, I'm a kid from the middle of nowhere, Vermont. I had coaches telling me I'm never going to play college baseball. I had people telling me I'm too small, right? 5'10", too small for a pitcher. I should be a shortstop or a second baseman. I had people telling me like all these things of why I couldn't make it. Why like just, just, just hate. Like it's just simple, simply hate like in small minds. Right. But I use that like that my first five years of, of like lifting, I use that like all through college, all through high school was in the weight room when I was when I was going through like a tough, tough set or a tough rep. Even I was thinking about those dudes like talking in the back of my head. And that was what driving me, driving me, driving me like this dark energy. Right. Like this. I'm going to prove you wrong at some point that got like tiring like that got tiring of just being so consumed with this hate and like like just hate like the hate driving me that got kind of tiring and I needed I needed something a little bit different so one of the things that that I have started to understand and and had really helped me like took my career to a new level right when I was uh, a senior or uh, going into my senior year I was a uh, average division three pitcher, like not very good, had like a 4.5 career ERA, like not really good. Um, and, and going into, going into my senior year, like my mindset changed. It became like, why am I doing this for the people that are just hating? Like they're going to, they're going to hate regardless. I got to start doing this for the people that, that are supporting me and are behind me. So it started to become this thing, right? Like, I'm doing this thing for my family. Like, this is my, this is like the light energy that I'm talking about. Like when I'm in there, when I'm in a, when I'm sore on a Saturday and everyone else is, is going out and I'm in the gym, like I'm doing it because I see all these people behind me. Right. So like quite literally, like when I'm lifting, I see, I see like my family members, like in my head, if I'm in the bottom struggling at a rep, I see, I see my aunt like going through chemotherapy and, and getting through it. I see all the things my mom has done for me. I see my grandma working in the horse barn. I see my grandfather like smiling and 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 pushing me forward I see I see my three younger cousins like looking up to me and and knowing that I I need to put a good example for them because that's that's just who I need to be so like it it started to like almost lift me it was like it wasn't just me lifting it was everybody lifting with me so the 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 weight was just lighter like it was just like all right like I have all these dudes I have all these people behind me I have all these people who have done done things for me with me like I'm going to lift this weight like this, this shit's easy. So that's kind of the light and the dark energy that I've, I've felt. So again, sometimes when you're looking for energy in the gym, if you needs to be the dark and you need to think about the haters and, and everyone who's doubted you go ahead. But if that ever gets tiring, there's always the way that you can switch and you can go to the light energy where it's all those people who have supported you, your family, 
whoever, et cetera, like behind you and, and do it for those people. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah, on that? Sure. Yeah. So like you said, it, it gets consuming all the, if you're always have that chip on your shoulder, like it's yeah. not, not healthy. You no. need both. And it depends, you know, on the exercise, what you're doing. You know, I can't throw with that dark energy. It just, you're yeah. going to, you're going to, you can't throw angry. It's just not going to work, man. Like you have to uh, kind of be overconfident and, and, you know, do it for the light energy. Whereas in the weight room, I personally really like to use, you know, like that chip on the shoulder because that hate, the haters and the, and the doubters, that's really what, what drives you to, to push the weight. And it's really just about like which neurotype you need to use uh, for each exercise, in my opinion. And then, you know, kind of with the light energy, it's, I think of it more about aligning yourself with, with uh, exactly what you want, because, you know, everything needs to be in alignment to manifest like what your goal is. So, you know, the music you listen to, the food you eat, the actions you take every day, you know, showing up for training, you know, all that really matters is that you get the training done and you accomplish these things. But there are different drivers each day for how you do it. It, it really just oscillates. I go back and forth. And, you know, I got into some of the Joe Dispenza stuff. And that's kind of where I, I lean more towards, you know, that light energy. But then there's days, you know, if you have a bad competition, then you, if you have a bad competition, you know, you need something to drive you competition drives you that's more of like that darker chip on the shoulder energy yeah yeah no that's that's all good stuff um and well you know while we're talking about like performance enhancers like i want to talk a little bit about um you know i've seen a lot of your posts and and the nutrition and the the things that you do to kind of enhance your performance and it might be different than than some other people's and and i have always been big like since I started Primal Baseball maybe I was a little far out there and I've kind of reeled myself back in and and kind of understood a little deeper what I what I believe in but um could you talk about you know nature's like performance enhancers like what why it's it's part of of getting outside part of being outside part of um you know like eating the way you do or or making sure that you're just getting into nature is is part of your performance Definitely. So there's a quote, I think it's by Frederick Nietzsche. I think that's how you say his name. It, it goes along the lines of uh, you can't trust a thought if you were thinking indoors. So that's, that's kind of a philosophy I've taken. And for recovery, especially, you know, how you build back from training, what you need to do is really get the nutrients through like an animal based diet, because that's the easiest way to get the nutrients without all the you know, shit in it. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you need to go outside, get sunlight, and you need sleep. I mean, that's probably the big three of recovery, you know, light, uh, food, and sleep. But, you know, get outside, and that kind of helps your mental state, and it helps you be more positive and, you know, recover better. You know, the more positive you are, the, the faster you're going to recover. That's kind of – this kind of goes back to the energy talk is, like, if you're always in that uh, chip on the shoulder, negative energy, you're not going to recover. You have to – uh, you kind of have to oscillate back towards the, uh, you know, more positive feelings. And I think getting outside is what does that for me. And, you know, all these uh, things like sunlight and the diet, they all have the biological effects as well. Of course, you know, sunlight repairs damaged DNA, you know, eating, you have to eat whatever your demands are. Like for me, I want to put on weight. I have to eat 30, yep. you know, 3,500 good calories to put on muscle. I think you should generally be in a surplus of calories as well unless you're really trying to cut. And I yep. think that's how you kind of allow yourself to train harder. Yeah. And for, 
for for the listeners out there, it's like when we talk about nutrition, we're we're not these crazy like nutrition gurus, and we're not trying to be. It's we're just trying to do like simple stuff. Just eat whole foods. Like if 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 you have a preference towards um like meat or or plant, like that's that's up to you. Obviously, the meat is going to be a little bit more protein packed, and and that's great for muscle growth. But both of us, we're we're not rich. Like we're going to be one day, but not, but not yeah, right now. Exactly. So we're not like, it's not like we're going out and like getting grass fed steak you can and do it on, a, on a budget, man. You can do it on a budget. No, the ground beef, a pound of ground beef is what? Three bucks at the store. That's yeah, all you true. need. You know, I get tired of it, but yeah. if, if, if you really want to be the best, then, and you want to do it cheap as well, ground beef, you know, that's the, you can have that for every meal and eat under $10 a day. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, literally if you, if you go to mike mike's instagram you'll see him eating like mcdonald's beef but it's just yeah. like he's just eating, he's just eating the beef like not the not the bun just like getting the beef and it's fine like sure it's not grass fed but like we're we're going to be like i talk about the the um the spectrum we're going to be somewhere if grass fed's all the way to the right and like terrible like processed foods are all the way to the left like we're we're just trying to get a little closer to the right as close as we can but it's not as expensive like go to the walmart and get a rotisserie chicken like it's really it's not yeah. it's not too just, crazy we're not we're not reinventing the wheel we're just trying to do what we can just just eat animal products really like just eat, eat animal products where you're getting a lot of calories a lot of good calories and that's as simple as it is for me it's milk eggs beef you know, I'll, I'll go get a steak every once in a while. Like you uh, referred to earlier, the McDonald's burger patty trick. Literally go into McDonald's <laughs> and say, I want two, three, four, whatever, uh, plain quarter pound patties. You got to say quarter pounders because otherwise they might have some stuff in it. They get sued if you uh, if they put anything in the quarter pounder. So it's 100% beef and it's cheaper. So I could get two quarter pound patties cooked for me really quickly for like three bucks and, that, and that's helped me go from like 175 to almost 195 yep yeah and and now i want to i want to switch topics a little bit kind of going towards more of the throwing and the training kind of stuff but one of the things i think kids think about when when they look up to people like you and i are oh i don't have the work ethic this guy has like he 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 just that's just him like he has the work ethic and i want to talk about work ethic as something that that you can continuously grow right cuz cuz i didn't like i'm still working on my growth or work ethic and growth but but i'm all, i'm like i'm working on my work ethic and i'm i'm sure you are too so maybe you could talk about how it's something that's not just like there like you you got to work on it it's something you can yeah. work on yeah i'm a big believer that everything's trainable whether it be you know muscle work ethic, you know, public speaking, whatever. It's yeah. all trainable. All it takes is more experience and more reps. That's just the facts of life. Yeah. So as far as uh, work ethic goes, for me, it was getting a consistent plan and, you know, deciding what are the main things I need to do, like where are the big levers, so to speak, where it's, you know, for me, it's training, diet, sleep. Those are the big levers. If you can, uh, you know, do that well, 80% of the time, you're going to be way above 99% of people. Uh, so for me, though, it's that extra 1% where you kind of ascend and get to the highest level of the sport. I think that's that, that work ethic needs to be trained where, you know, you're doing almost everything 
really well. Like not, I don't want to say perfect and, you know, you don't want to be a robot, but you know, you're, you're avoiding your screen before bed, you know, you're optimizing a little more, yeah. you know, that can go, that can go too far and so, to some degree, but there's always more to be trained with work ethic, but really it's just about deciding what you need to work on and having clarity and like direction. If you yeah. know exactly what you want to work on and how, and what your goal is, then, you know, it makes it way easier. You can put systems in place and you can, you know, just hammer out work. That's it's as simple as that. You just get more reps and the more you do, it's just discipline, man. Yeah. And, and you're talking about like knowing what you want to do and kind of having that like almost visualization. And that's yes. one of the things that I, I I'm doing with, or trying to do with, with some of the guys that I'm coaching remotely is, is kind of add like a, in the mental performance section, trying to add kind of a visualization part, because I think that that's very important. And I'm not, I'm, I want to make it so clear that I'm not saying if you go and visualize in your basement for, for an hour or for 20 minutes, like visualize yourself doing it, it's going to happen. Like that's part of it. I'm saying that that's, that's like a bonus to it, right? Like you got to go out and do the work and like actually do it. But I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at is like you were talking about that 1%, you can use that visualization to get a little bit of, of an advantage on your competitor, right? Like if you visualize going through the competition, you visualize doing your, doing your, for you, it would be throwing the jab for me, it would be competing on the mound, but whatever we're visualizing, like our certain event, we can get a little bit closer than somebody else who might have not, but I'm not saying it's going to replace it. I'm just saying we need to use it in addition. I, and I don't know if you visualize exactly. or um, if you do that kind of thing, but maybe you could talk about kind of manifesting um, and creating your own style and, and visualization. Yeah, man. So I, like you said, it's, it's supplementary to a degree, you know, some of the visualization reps and practice, but I think there's a few different ways to visualize Number one, like we were talking about, you know, manifesting your goals and, and your your vision. Uh, I'd say that actually is very important. You know, knowing, having a mental picture of where you want to be in, you know, five years, 10 years, what your career goals are. And then, you know, once you have that clear picture, you know, picture every little thing down to the details, how you want your life to be. Then it's a lot easier to work to reverse engineer and, and work to create that. So I think that is actually very important. I think that's, you know, 90% of work ethic, like we were just talking about, is just knowing like what you want exactly. And then visualizing that, making a mental picture of it. But as far as like visualization reps and stuff go in practice, you should also kind of have uh, a model of what you want your technique to look like, what you want your mechanics to look like, what you want to move like. For me, I kind of like to work towards, you know, a technical model. So for me, it's Jan Zelesny, who's the world record holder. And I want to move like him. I know that I'm going to end up having my own unique style, but it allows me to kind of visualize the throw because I can see what a 98 meter throw looks like. And when you, when you can see that and you can kind of watch, I, what I like to do is I like to go to YouTube and I like to watch it and then go through the motions in my head. What is he feeling in this position? What's he feeling in this position? Okay. He hits his block. Where's the tension in his chest, you know, all these positions. And that kind of helps me to replicate those same movements when I go to throw. And I like to use this before I compete, like the night before I compete, I'll watch some of my best throws and try to work to recreate them in my head. And then I'll do the same thing with like Jan Zelesny, Andreas Thorkelson, some of the guys that I like to watch. 
and it makes it so you know i wake up the next day it's like i've already done the reps i just have to go find that feeling i know what the feeling of a great throw is you just have to recreate it yeah and and talking about feels that's something that can that can come to baseball too right if if you know what you're trying to feel and and obviously for guys who don't know what they're trying to feel that's hard right but i think I think in your, in your mind, you need to kind of create this feeling of what am I like, what am I going to feel in this position? And maybe it's wrong. Like if you've never been, I've never thrown 95 miles an hour. So maybe it's, it's wrong that I think I'm going to feel this certain way. But I mean, if I'm believing that I'm going to feel this certain way, it's a little bit closer than not having an idea. So even if it's an idea of what you think it's going to feel like, feel it like it's going to get you closer than not not feeling anything. So when, when we're talking about feels and, and feeling our, our throw in our minds, you can kind of feel how you go through your, through your throw, whether it's javelin or baseball and and you can feel yourself recreating the throw, like in your, in your bedroom. And these are like tools and methods you can use, right? If you're hurt or you are sore and you already threw for the day, you want to get a little bit extra work in, like use the visualization. And that's what I'm trying to get at when we talk about visualization. But while we're, while we're talking about feels, I've also seen you, you know, talk about throwing slow or going through your motion very slow. And I just want you to, if you could touch on why, like why you're doing that and, and what the, what the end goal of, of that is going through your throw motion slow. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of goes back to exactly what you said about, thinking about what I'm trying to feel, even if it's not necessarily right, you're going to end up a lot closer. So you should, you know, kind of create that mental picture. What do I want my technique to look like? And then you can use motion. You can literally get reps with the extreme slow. So this is great. You know, you can use extreme slows for visualization. You don't just have to sit in a chair and, you know, watch YouTube or, or just, you know, like almost meditate. You don't, that's not, you can do that if you want, that works, but also getting up and trying to feel these things is true visualization because then it, it, you know, connects the mental picture with what you think you're trying to feel. So with the extreme slow throws that I initially started them because, you know, I had a partially torn UCL. So that accomplished two things for me. Number one, you know, I can get technical work done without putting strain on my elbow. Number two, it allowed me to, uh, you know, load the specific positions, say, you know, if I hold the javelin in the layback position for, I don't know, I'd probably be in that layback position for a minute or two. Like I'm going to get stronger in that position and the pain's going to start to go away. So that's kind of where I first started to use them. Also shout out to uh pitching doctor. He's the, he's the guy who put me on them, but yep. anyways, uh, yeah. So it's like you can visualize exactly what you're trying to feel inch by inch. So you're, you're setting a timer for, I'd say probably about three minutes, maybe five minutes. It can be a minute and 30, but by the end of the throw, like you're literally moving like less than a centimeter a second. And then by the end of the timer, you're done with your throw and you can also do it in reverse too. But this allows you to kind of build that body awareness, that mind muscle connection that you're going to need in the throw. You know, I think coordination and mind muscle connection are the most underrated aspects of, you know, changing technique or becoming a great thrower, whether it be javelin, baseball, even, even the other field events, you know, anything in life It's mind muscle connection. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. And I, I really like that. All right. What I took away there 
one thing that I wanted to even dive into further was you saying like throwing, throwing, throwing like baseball or javelin. And when we, when we zoom out, we're, we're throwing something, right? So if, if you can get good at throwing something, you're probably going to see that translate to whatever, um, whatever specific event or specific sport you're playing. Like I've seen you throw baseballs and I've seen baseball guys try to throw javelin. One of the things that I'm into is I'm a big disc golfer. Um, so like just ripping, ripping rotation. But, um, one thing maybe you could touch on is if you get good at throwing, right? Like I think sometimes we get carried away with, with the med ball stuff inside med balls are great, but like we're, we're trying to feel like this specific, movement like we we're trying to be so robotic with the with the med ball and slam it into the wall instead of just like rip it as hard as you can sideways and eventually you'll figure out how to how to maximize rotation and how to maximize the output what are what are some of your things like that you think about when you when you hear like throwing is throwing and and yeah just go into that yeah man so like i've kind of come full circle on the whole throwing is throwing idea because Initially, uh, with the javelin, it was such a specific skill to learn how to throw it, you know, they say through the point, throw it cleanly. So I wasn't even thinking about getting in any position. I was thinking about the constraint of throwing a javelin correctly. But because of that constraint, I ended up in the good throw throwing positions, you know, like deep layback, you know, uh, block, my block leg is really good. So now I think if I went back to baseball, like I'd throw the blue plyo a lot you know, my movement patterns are really clean. I feel like I could really chuck it. And I have like that body awareness of uh, what positions I'm trying to feel. So it's, it's pretty universal between javelin and baseball. You know, you're going to need that deep layback. You're going to need hip shoulder separation. You need to sequence well. You're going to need to hit your block well. I mean, that's probably the four big things. There's probably some other things, but like that's almost exactly the same between the two. And a lot of the drills we work on, like I can throw a baseball right now. And to me, that's working on throwing the javelin because it replicates the same positions. It's just a different stimulus and a different feel. So for me, like I like to throw the blue plyo because it allows for more, a little more arm relaxation, but I like to throw a little more baseball like because sometimes the javelin is a little bit, uh, you know, more constrained and robotic where I can't get those deep layback positions. So if I'm, if I want to work on that, then I work on throwing the blue plyo because it's almost mobility where I'm able to get access to those deep ranges, feel uh, the sequence and everything to get me into those ranges. And then I can work that back to replicating it with the javelin. But I also like what you said about disc golf. And actually, a lot of the top uh, javelin throwers, like I think Thomas Roller, he's really good at disc yeah. golf. He's throwing like 93 meters. There's also uh, there's a guy named like Timu from Finland. And dude, he's, he's insane at uh, disc golf. I'll send you some posts later on that. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I really like understanding that, right. The, the kind of idea of plyo balls, obviously the idea for pitchers is plyo balls, right. The weighted baseballs are the overload ones. The heavier ones in the baseball are kind of strengthening your arm there. Um, you know, the, the heavier balls that are allowing you to throw something that's heavier and train your arm and become more efficient because when you're throwing something that's heavy, if you're in weird like positions and not strong, it's, it's going to hurt your body. And it's also going to 
to be harder to throw, right? So you have to be in better, more efficient patterns and sequences if you're throwing those those heavier balls better. And then the lighter ones are kind of the underload to train yourself to go a little bit faster and and just throw the ball faster. Like your arm speed is going to be up when you're throwing those balls. So those are both of the things. But using using plyo balls also is kind of a way where you're not thinking about how you're how you're throwing like a in a robot sense like sometimes when we grab a baseball we try to be perfect and maybe the same thing happens when you grab a javelin like you're trying to be perfect because it's your thing like you need to throw nasty you need to be the best you can like when we we're so locked up because of our headspace when you get that plyo to throw it's kind of just like oh like it's not a baseball i can just i can just kind of have fun with this and throw it so i think that's a good um almost benefit of having plyo base or plyo care balls as well. And I, I don't know if, if you use those, um, in that way to kind of like unlock yourself mentally. Um, but yeah, do you, do you feel like throwing different things or, you know, just getting yourself in different positions kind of takes the pressure off you, um, in, in some aspect? Yeah, certainly. So like you said, with the javelin, it's like, it's my thing. So I'm, mentally you know i'm trying to be a little more perfect and the, and the flight matters a lot with the javelin so you know trying to nail it through the point is such a constraint as well where with the plyo balls it's like dude i'm just back to throwing i'm just it's 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 very it's a primal movement i'm throwing yeah. man so i'm i'm accessing accessing those deep ranges that i wouldn't yeah. get with the javelin because i don't necessarily have the movement freedom but i also don't have like the mental uh state with the same mental state with the javelin like I'm much more relaxed with the the weighted balls. And I think the heavy weighted balls really teach you to relax your arm. I think that's the biggest key. In, and that's the biggest key in javelin, in my opinion, is wanting to relax the arm because you have all this momentum. So you don't want to necessarily add more with the arm because that takes away from the elastic stretch reflex. But uh, so like the one kilogram balls and the 450 gram balls, like those kind of help train that relaxation where you can actually kind of turn off and allow the positions to create that stretch reflex. And that's what allows you just to whip it instead of, you know, being robotic and trying to force things with the arm or whatever. So, yeah, I also like to throw the football too, though, because like, I really like how that trains the finish of the throw with like pronation. And I find that my like hip shoulder separation, everything is and my sequencing is great with the football as well. Yeah. And when you can find things that kind of take you out of the space of thinking all the time, sometimes stuff clicks and comes together. Right. So like Mike was saying, when he's throwing the football, he's not thinking like, he's just having fun throwing the football. And then all of a sudden look what happens, like his sequencing and his patterning becomes what he's looking for. And it, and it just kind of blends together. Right. And some of that's because the football's a little heavier and maybe he needs to be a little bit cleaner with his movements to be become efficient, which is great. But yeah, I mean, I suggest, when you're when you're warming up in the in your throwing program for baseball, I'll have a lot of guys like throw the football just 30 or 45 feet because there's those weird like short throws that you're making for baseball and you don't really like you're kind of just flipping it to your partner. Why not just throw the football for like 30, 45 feet before you're ready to actually throw? So that's that's cool that, that you do that, too, with the football. Um, and a lot of the stuff you've been talking about throughout this whole podcast has been about getting into deep ranges of motion like being strong in those in those positions being able to move through ranges of motion fluidly and cleanly and a lot of times i'll see 
guys doing like specific exercises like on Instagram or or wherever. I mean, all of social media, but videos, right, of guys like, oh, you want a new you want a new pec stretch? Do this. Like you want a new hip stretch? Do this. And I like I I, I want you to talk about maybe you could touch on like how why is me being mobile good for being a thrower? Like why is being mobile a benefit? And then the second part is like how can we get mobile and is it possible we can get mobile by doing like these normal like 20 minute yoga sessions or do we really need to have these breaking edge like state state of the art new movements that we're doing yeah man so i think it's super important as a thrower especially you know in javelin we're in these deep ranges you can't access those if you don't have the movement capacity and and the mobility to reach them so, you know, we talk about making technical changes, visualization, all of this. None of that matters if you don't actually have the the range at each joint to kind of get into those positions. You know, if you don't have the hip internal rotation to uh, create the, the hip drive and lead leg block, you're not going to reach that position. If you don't have, you know, the the spine, spinal mobility and spinal segmentation to reach that, you know, like reverse C layback deep pull position it's not going to happen if you don't have uh shoulder external rotation you're not going to reach the layback either so and you're yeah you're certainly not going to relax into it so we need to train those we need to pick you know a few things to build the movement capacity and that's you know your feet your hips and your spine i think those are all kind of linked that's something i got from kevin foster javelin anatomy so like for throwing rotational capacity at the hips is probably the most important i found the biggest unlock when I worked on my uh, back hip internal rotation. And I'll, I'll hear some baseball guys, you know, talk about different styles of driving off the mound. Some guys will say, you know, I'm, I'm an external rotation guy. I'm an internal rotation guy. Well, why don't we just build the capacity and then you won't be put in a box. You can move freely however you want. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to cue around your movement capacity. Why don't we just build the movement capacity? But as far as, building that movement capacity. Personally, I use uh, mobility ability from Kevin Foster, Javelin Anatomy, but uh, I would say, you know, grind the hip internal rotation, spinal mobility. If you know Dr. Tommy John, uh, spinal hygiene is is my favorite routine. I ran through it today. So it's just a bunch of spinal moves, you know, working on spinal segmentation. And then everything else kind of branches off of the hips and the spine, I think, and the feet as well. So like, you know, the feet are connected to the hips. So you need to build strong feet, you know, barefoot jump rope. That's the, that's one thing I've been doing. And that kind of builds like those elastic uh, feet, ankles, you know, shins, and, and allows you to be able to kind of roll through the inside of your foot, which will allow you to internal, internally rotate. So it's, it's all synced up, you know, it's all about the movement capacity and you won't make technical changes if you don't have it. Yeah. And I think one of the important things to note is Mike was literally, I mean, obviously the the closer you get up to the top of, of high performers they're going to have a little bit more time and they're going to have a little bit more structured program right so they they might be locked in on on a few extra things but for the most part like when you're starting out or or even when you're in college like for me when i was when i was playing baseball in college i didn't have a crazy amount of time and and mike doesn't either he's got to do classes like we're still student athlete or he's still a student athlete but when i was there i was still a student athlete so it's not like we had four hours a day to go through a mobility, but you just got to hit those checkpoints. Like if you're trying to rotate and you're trying to throw hard, get your spine mobile, like be able to move 
side to side and then get your hips unlocked so you can sequence and have power from your hips. And then if you really want, like, okay, do some, like get your chest and shoulders a little bit looser. And like you said, the feet, but like, we don't need to go through these crazy mobility routines and all these 20 minutes of correctives, like do some yoga at night with those, with those focuses, unlocking your hips, unlocking your spine. And then if you, if you have time to go deeper, then you can go deeper into it, but let's not make it crazier than it has to be. Um, as you get to high performers, right. Then you start to do things a little bit closer, a little bit closer. But I think for the most part at the the younger levels, we're worried too much about the specifics instead of just actually being a, a complete athlete and moving around. I, I don't know if, if, if you have any, exactly. I mean, it doesn't have to be crazy. It just has right. to be even a few exercises throughout the day, you know, yeah. if you're a college student, I'm, I'm waiting for the bus or whatever. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll hit some like uh, lateral bends for my spine or something yeah, dude, like, for sure. your rep, you know, knock out a set here, knock out yeah. a set there pretty soon throughout the day. You might not even have to warm up as much for your, for your yeah. workout because you, you're already moving. It's just body movement throughout the day. And, and if you want, like sometimes I'll just do it most of the time, even for me, just because it's the way I am, I'll just do it dedicated session of mobility or whatever just you know 20 minutes 30 minutes yeah. whatever you know yeah. but if you don't have time for that you have time throughout the day you know you're scrolling your phone fine like hit some calf jumps or something hit some jump rope like maximize your time and i guarantee you by the end of the night you'll have all your mobility done you'll have your normal training workout done and you'll still have time to play Fortnite. I guarantee it yeah right. <laughs> like dude play Fortnite in a deep squat like yeah I, seriously like, seriously I don't know, actually like, there's something about that like uh i saw this thing on instagram like uh back in world war ii when the soldiers would sit in a deep squat position to shoot and now now no one can do that yeah so just move your body more you play Fortnite in, in a deep squat exactly yeah go for go for a walk grab a tree and like bend sideways or something like i don't know just do little things like it's not not going to be this crazy. Doesn't have to be crazy. We were not trying to make this. Bar crazy. hangs. You do bar hangs every day. Yeah. So, yeah. And and now I want to move a little bit away from the training side. I mean, we'll we'll touch on a little bit, but this last part of the podcast, I just want to, you know, dive into you and maybe you could talk about, um, you know, different for javelin, but similar recruiting wise. Uh, I want to I want to know your journey to Iowa and um, University of Iowa, the Hawkeyes, and I just want you to talk about how you got there and, and how you recruited. Yeah, for sure. So I, I alluded to this earlier. I was a, I was a baseball player, you know, always growing up. I played other sports, but, and I, I was exposed to track as well. Like my family is a track and field family, you'd say. So, uh, you know, I always had some track and field in my blood, but I was focusing on baseball through about sophomore year of high school. And I got really deep into like the driveline stuff, long toss, you know, J bands, all that stuff, the velocity development rabbit hole, you know, back in 2018, just learning everything I could. And I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I was just going out, chucking long toss as far as I could. And I was really good at long toss. I could chuck it like, you know, past end zone to end zone at that time. But then off the mound, I was throwing like 83 to 85 top. So I was like, this isn't, this isn't good. You know, I was probably like 160 pounds. I just didn't know anything, but you know, I was training and I, I had some direction, like I really like throwing. And I see uh, Javelin on social media from some of like the driveline guys and stuff. And my buddy, Scott Fuchs, I saw his page and his journey from like baseball to Javelin. And I'm like, man, I can long toss really far. Why don't I just buy a Javelin? 
So I buy one off of Amazon, have it shipped to my door. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, I'm going to throw this thing. And for some reason, I knew right then and there, I'm like, I'm going to have a great career in javelin. Even before I really even threw it, I, you know, I threw the first one. I'm like, yeah, this is the sport for me. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I saw a path where if I train consistently, I'm like, I can make it to college. And I can make it to the Olympics. You know, I can make it past that. So it was just about training consistently and, and finding that and kind of experimenting on myself and my own journey. So, yeah, so I, I kept developing through high school. My junior year, I threw about almost 60 meters and we didn't have javelin uh, as a event in high school for Iowa. So I would go to college meets uh, unattached. You can compete on your own in track. And I go to like small D3 meets and I won some of the meets and I was, I was throwing you know, close to 60 meters, which is pretty good for a high school kid. And yeah, so I went on some college visits, you know, I got recruited uh, Iowa ended up being the place and, and I was like, yeah, dude, I, I, I went on my visit to Iowa. I was like, there's no way I leave here and I'm not throwing like 80 to 85 meters. This is the place. And it's my home state. Yeah. You know, I wasn't expecting that, but it's the best place for me. And, you know, now I'm throwing 75 meters and it's my first year. So it was my first year last year. So, uh, inching closer towards that, that vision I had there, but yeah, man, it's just, I found this journey and this mission where I could train consistently and get to the top level of a sport. And that was very intriguing to me. Yeah. And I know you touched briefly at the beginning and then just right there on the, the Pan Am games and you were, you were there for the U 20. You want to, you want to touch on that experience? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, after the season, after the college season, uh, there was under 20 and, uh, I qualified for the under 20 Pan Am, Pan American games in Puerto Rico and the meet was in August. So, I trained in Iowa City all summer and, uh, you know, kept improving my technique off of, I, I was coming off of like two not very good meets for myself. I still qualified for the games, but so I was working all summer, you know, improving my technique, all this. And then I had a trip to Puerto Rico and I threw on like August 6th. And yeah, so I, I won the Pan American games with the throw of 71 meters, the Pan American under 20 games. Yep. And yeah, it was, just, it was the coolest experience of my life, you know an international competition competing as other countries represent, representing the United States. Like you put on the USA uniform, you're like, I'm going to have a good day today. I'm going to throw far. So yeah, no, there's no way you put on that uniform and you don't compete. Well, it's, yeah. it's definitely uh, like a mental thing there, but. <laughs> well, uh, not everyone can, can put on the USA Jersey and, and have that mental boost. You. So sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit something else than than putting on a U.S. jersey, but uh, yeah, and and are you just so I'm correct? You are the current record holder at University of Iowa for yeah, yeah. So yeah, so in April, or I think it was like May first, whatever. April, May, we went to a meet in Tucson, and uh, actually a funny story: the the meet, like I didn't get a throw until like twelve o'clock at night Tucson time. So we were throwing under the lights. It was really cool and. Uh, it's like two o'clock in the morning, Iowa time. And yeah, so I threw like 63 on my first throw, like, which was, you know, for an opener, like whatever, yeah. but I knew I was having a good day that day. And then I threw like a small PR and then another small PR. And then, you know, you kind of get that break between your first three throws and your, your last three throws. And then, uh, yeah, man, something just clicked where I threw 73, which was a big PR and then 73 again. And then my round six, you know, get the clap going, get everybody hyped up. And then I smacked a, a 75, 75, 59, 
248 feet for the school record. But the previous school record, I believe, uh, was about 245 feet. About I set by a guy in 2011, I believe. Okay. Well, congrats on that. Uh, yes. That's, that's pretty sweet. So, yeah, if, if you're listening to this, I, I hope that you take some of this knowledge and, and understand that there's a, there is a method behind the madness. It's not it's not just we're just we're not just talking like it's there's something behind it and and there's performance that has come from the methods and techniques so hopefully you can get something out of that uh and i know you talked a little bit like right you're i mean obviously the olympics are on on the horizon and and that's something that you would you would obviously try to chase down but what are your future goals as far as you know javelin goes are you you're a sophomore now right or yeah yeah going my sophomore year yep yeah okay so yeah just future goals yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I, I've always aimed high. Like I've, I'll make it clear one of my goals is to throw the world record, but uh, you know, going forward, it's kind of, you know, step by step, you know, you throw 80 meters and you throw 85 and you throw 90. It's not always linear either. You know, you go down for a few meets, you come up for a few meets, but yeah, it's really my goal is to go as far as I can take it. And I don't like to put numbers on things. Yep. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's how it works, but right. uh, I don't, I don't, I want to take it as far as I can, and I want to take it further than anybody else has taken it before. So I want to win, you know, all the medals. I want to throw the furthest. I, I'm I'm willing to do what it takes, and and I believe it's a good thing to put yourself out there and say that because you know subconsciously it kind of holds you accountable to that in a way. Uh, right. So I I think that's very important as well. So yeah, you know, go to the Olympics, win the Olympics, you know, throw the world record. Doesn't matter. You know, go as far as I can, go further than anybody else can. That's my that's my goal. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's not, not much more I can, for content I can get out after that. I mean, that's a pretty good thing to end on and pretty good spiel to end on. So now I'm just going to go into the rapid fire questions. Yes, uh, sir. So, yeah, just whatever comes to mind first. So uh, favorite book? Oh, man, Becoming Supernatural was really good. That was, uh, you know, kind of life changing with my uh, rehab process. But uh, of course, you know, I'm Christian, so the Bible as well. I also like the uh, book Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. I think that is a great book. Favorite memory from baseball? Man, I think it's getting into some of the, the driveline stuff. Like, you know, I had a lot of great games as well in high school. I ended up getting like third team All-State my, my last year. You know, I had a really good game where I almost got busted for using pine tar, which by the way, that's another favorite memory, but it's the only way I could throw strikes. But, but yeah, definitely getting into that velocity development rabbit hole, man. That was, you know, learning how to throw hard and the drive on drills, all that. All right. Favorite food? Oh, steak. Steak and Haagen-Dazs. Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Yep. What is something, and a ball. What is, uh, what is something uncomfortable that you want to start doing in order to grow? Man, I need to get up like earlier, I'd say. And it's not that I like sleeping until noon or whatever, yeah, but yeah. you know, get up earlier, start eating better like in the morning. Yep. So, in the morning, you know, I'm trying to look putting on muscle mass, right? So, early in the morning, you know, that's another window for calories. And if I could just get to bed a little earlier and have some more time at the beginning of the day, it would allow me to eat more, allow me to get, you know, more mobility and all of that. You know, it's just a lot easier to start your morning off like bam, you know you already have the day one before it's even started. That's, I, that's the best feeling. I, I think that's my next step. What is, uh, something you often forget you're grateful for? Yeah, man, I, I think just being healthy when, when you are healthy, when you're throwing is like 
like, wow, like it's easy to forget when you go a few months and you're like, you know, I'm making improvements, steady progress, but just the ability to train every day, like at the highest level and, and stay healthy, you know, it's not, you can't, you can't really be self-righteous about it. Like a lot of times, even if you do everything right, it can, it can be a matter of, of luck to a degree and just what, what God gives you, I think with that. Yeah. And then this one, I usually say like best life lesson that baseball has taught you, but best life lesson that javelin has taught you. Yeah. So this kind of goes to, uh, just the mindset when you come off of a meet that wasn't great or a performance that wasn't great, it's analyzing what did I do wrong technically? And then, you know, having the awareness to make those changes and then, you know, the work ethic to create those changes in your throw so that you can come out the next meet and you throw further. So I think it, you can take that process to anything in life. Like what could I have done better here? Okay, well, let's work on that. Let's get reps and then boom you know, it's your newest strength. Yep. And then last one, advice for your five-year-old self. Man, if I was five years old, I'd say you need to, you need to hit the weight room and you need to eat hagen -Dazs. Like you need to put on some muscle mass right now. <laughs> take, cre take creatine. Yeah, take creatine. Sure. Creatine and hagen -Dazs. You can put creatine, creatine and hagen -Dazs. Man, if I had been doing that when I was five, it'd be over for everybody else. I'd probably actually sleep more. I'd probably be you know, six foot three instead of five foot nine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's all I really got before we end. I want this to be a time where you can tell all the listeners and, and viewers where to find you, you know, on social media or anywhere else. Yeah. So at Mike Stein throwing on Instagram and on TikTok. I, I don't post much on TikTok. My main page is Instagram. I'm also on Twitter now. Honestly, I'm not sure what my handle is, so you'll have to find me. But uh, yeah, and then also I, I have a, a training guide I just came out with. So anyone who's looking to throw javelin, get into javelin, like this is a comprehensive program of, you know, how to start throwing javelin. And I, I suggest you check that out. You know, have all the workouts, throwing workouts, approach workouts, you know, lifting, mobility. It's just a comprehensive guide. So I'd highly recommend checking that out as well. Yeah. So go check out Mike on Instagram, on social media. And again, if you haven't followed us, follow us at Primal Baseball, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, wherever else. I don't I don't think we have any other accounts, but I'm sure you can try to find them. Um, if you if you have anyone who you think would be a good guest or you want to be a guest, email us at primalbaseball at gmail.com. So that's all we got today. Thank you, Mike, for coming on. It was a great thank you. Great yes, I appreciate coming on the show, man. We'll have to run round two. We'll have to run round two after next season. That sounds great. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and catch you guys next episode.